This is the Tribe of Millionaires podcast from Go Abundance. The tribe of healthy, wealthy, generous people who choose to live epic lives. Listen Tuesdays for featured guests and Fridays for Go Abundance member spotlights. But listen always to hear how our guests have grabbed life big. Now, here's your host, Jamie Gruber. What's going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. I am stoked about today. This gentleman was uh, introduced to me through a mutual friend, a GoBundance member named Doug Spence. Give him a follow at Honor and Equity on Instagram. Let me read this man's bio. His name is Aaron Hale. And after serving 14 years in both the Navy as a chef to the commander of the U.S. Sixth Fleet and then transitioning on to become an Army team leader in one of the military's most dangerous jobs, EOD, Explosive Ordnance Disposal, Staff Sergeant Aaron Hale was blinded by an IED, blinded by an IED. Not letting his injuries hold him back, he became an EOD instructor motivational speaker, mountain climber, whitewater kayaker, and marathon runner. He's a proud husband and a father of a nine-year-old son and the recent addition of identical twins, which is really exciting. He runs a thriving chocolate company appropriately named EOD Fudge, Extraordinary Delights. I love that play on words. Uh, with his wife and recently completed, he recently completed his first 100-mile ultra marathon. What a significant human being. Also been featured on Rachel Ray, along with many other networks and shows. Aaron Hale, man, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you for inviting me, Jamie. And I'm going to have to thank uh, Doug, uh, the fellow no, veteran himself and, um, and friend. So I appreciate uh, making the connection. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot to your story. And I want to dive into this. We're going to come up to the moment that we just discussed the IED that took your took your sight, and then you know the the aftermath of that, which we haven't even touched yet. But before that, let's go back a bit. Give us your backstory. How did you arrive at the uh, I guess the Navy first? So you know where are you from? Kind of take us up to your decision to go into into a life of service. Absolutely. Uh, I, I grew up in Akron, Ohio, um, and I was one of those guys that uh, growing up I was I was just talented enough to not have to put a whole lot of effort into just about anything. Uh, and, and if if I uh, did, I'd usually charm my way around it. But uh, that worked uh, all through high school. And but then when I got to college, it, um, everybody was working hard, you know, quickly passed me by. And the All-American Slacker had to find a new new course of action. Uh, so um, I decided to follow the cooking route. I, I always uh, loved uh, being a, being a cook. I would, was cooking since I could reach over the counter. My my whole family they've got very creative bug. You know, very artistic family. My my mom and my brother are uh, great paint and sketch artists. Uh, my creativity landed me in the kitchen. I love love eating and I love creating food. And uh, it was one of those things that I love giving to others uh, because. Part of that was just, you know, creating this delicious food. Um, it was more fulfilling to share it with others. So I decided to join the Navy. I'd go to culinary school on the GI Bill. Um, and while I was in the military, I might as well 
you know, get some on the job training by being a cook. So, uh, and you know, in a few years, I'd earned my way up to uh, cooking for the Admiral of the uh, Sixth Fleet in, in Gaeta, Italy. So, and so that's how I joined the, the military. And actually, uh, up until I was like 18, in fact, up until about a month before uh, I enlisted, I absolutely knew <laughs> I'd never be in the military. But, yeah. uh, um, you know, my, my uh, first attempt at uh, college, it just turned out differently. And, um, and in fact, after joining the military, uh, it, it, it was this you know, of course, transformation. I, 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 it was not about me. You know, I, I, first, I, first I learned, um, those things that helped me be a better person. I, I was, uh, learned, you know, the core values of the military. I learned, um, you know, of course the discipline and work ethic and all those things I was lacking, uh, in my, you know, earlier years, but then it stopped being about me, less about me and more about, you know, others, you know, the service, my uh, fellow service members and uh, about a bigger picture. And I took even more pride, not in my accomplishments, but uh, the accomplishments of the team. And I fell in love with my service and the, the, the military. Uh, so uh, yeah. while, yeah. I was in, uh, while I was in Italy, um, uh, this was about 2004, um, the, both the, 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 the wars were uh, in full swing. But I found myself, we always cooking for the Admiral or floating around the Mediterranean, visiting all these incredible uh, destinations um, uh, in, the, uh, in, you know, in Europe and the Mediterranean. And um, I was watching the battle unfold. I was watching um, the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan on CNN. And I just felt a calling, uh, a new direction, you know, because of the, the, my love of service. I felt my, my talents, my abilities uh, could be better used in a different capacity. So that's when I discovered uh, EOD. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, well, no, that, that's great. I was going to ask that. How did you, how, what, what transitioned you from Navy to army and that that right there tells a story like you said you were in the military but maybe not in in active you know combat situations and you you felt the compelled to get there so you're in eod it's a very dangerous explosive ordnance disposal very dangerous position can you tell us you know as as we i led with you know obviously you you had this ied explode can you can you bring us to that story this is a pivotal moment in your life obviously can you bring oh, us course. to that story and kind of take us forward from there? Yes. Uh, it, EOD, of course, Explosive Ordnance Disposal, is the military's bomb squad. You know, those guys in the bomb suits that walk up on uh, car bombs or suicide vests or those roadside bombs, uh, as well as any unexploded ordnance on the battlefield from bullets to nuclear weapons. You know, any of those uh, weapons of mass destruction or uh, chemical weapons, biological weapons, that's all within our wheelhouse. That's our job, our duty. So, uh, of course, that is a huge transition from being a cook. <laughs> so uh, sure. I, tell, I tell people I got, um, I got my first confirmed kill with a cheesecake and decided to start saving lives instead. But, <laughs> 
the truth was my, my, my first deployment, I was, I deployed as a cook. I was running a chow hall out there. I went from cooking for the, uh, the, the admirals and his top brass, maybe 25, 35 at a time to five, six, 700 uh, NATO troops um, in the desert of Afghanistan. And wow. while I was there, I met some EOD techs and uh, they just, I, I, I started learning all about their job. And, um, you know, it's amazing. Just uh, the high, high the, 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 the mission pace, the, the, the technical aspect of the job, the fact that they're first responders and lifesavers on the battlefield, it just, something clicked. It was just exactly uh, the calling I was, I was looking for. So when my time in Afghanistan was up and I returned to the United States, I, I switched jobs. In fact, I switched uniforms and went from the Navy to the Army. I trained up as a soldier, then I trained up as an uh, EOD technician. And um, after that, uh, I deployed once to Iraq and um, once more to Afghanistan, but this time in a different capacity as an EOD team leader. Uh, so uh, EOD team uh, teams, they roll in two or three uh, person teams, and the team leader is actually the one that gets in the suit and makes that long walk. So I was about eight months into this 12-month rotation. i just gotten back from a two-week R&R uh, vacation uh, back home, and it was the holidays. Uh, it, it, I... I got to got to see my my son, my oldest, uh, turn one year old, yeah. and I got to see the whole family gather around for Thanksgiving, which is maybe my probably without my favorite holiday, just because you get to um, gather all the family and friends around and, and talk about what you're most grateful for. And of course, you get to eat like a glutton. Uh, but <laughs> uh, it was a fantastic last last page in the photo album. Yeah. Because when I got back to the battlefield, uh, my team picked me up in our armored truck and we jumped in a supply convoy to head from the airfield back to uh, our uh, command outpost where our area of operation where I, we were working. And along the way, there was a call and IED was on the side of the road and they needed us to get to work. So um, threw the luggage off of the, the robot, threw the robot out of the truck and it got to work. Um, Anyways, what happened was we'd actually taken care of the IED and had it separated. And I was going to go up and grab um, evidence and dispose of the rest with a, a blast, a charge of my own. And on the way, there was a second device that hadn't yet been de detected. So that hit me right square in the head. It took my eyes and uh, cracked my, my skull. I was leaking spinal fluid right out of my nose. It blew out my eardrums, but I still had my hearing. Um, but uh, within 48 hours, I was back at Walter Reed trying to, um, and I you know, would quickly discover that I would be 100% blind for the rest of my life. So um, I was laying there in the hospital bed trying to figure out you know what what just happened that was so fast sure. uh and and here i am in the dark and those those um those, those demons i call them the, the, the demons they try to creep in the what ifs the why me's all that uh self-defeating uh mentality uh that the victim 
sense of self that the, the world is happening to you and what just happened to me and why why would it happen to me i i did uh i did everything i was supposed to but yeah. um yeah. you know uh, there's a, a, also a whole number of things that uh affected the change uh because i didn't i didn't let that victim mentality those demons that um it it doesn't mean that there weren't some really dark days some really tough times but uh one of the things was i was in a hospital full of heroes everybody going through their own personal struggle their own personal battle uh some you know with with, with all sorts of different um life-changing injuries i don't have a monopoly on on pain uh you know i don't i don't, I don't have a monopoly on hardship and these guys are fighting and these this, this is my team these are these are you know I'm, a, I'm still a sergeant uh in the army i'm still a a father i'm still a husband a son you know i've all, all these hats to wear in fact uh, it, my life doesn't even belong to me it, it belongs to all of them and um if i would ever decide to go down that um that that, that dark you know spiral of depression and and you know, where so many of us make those awful decisions uh, that, um, you know, that are permanent. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I would have to do that by community anyways. But, uh, yeah. but it, the truth is, uh, when you start thinking about the impact it has on others, either direction, you know, you're, you're, you're ending the fight or you're carrying on the best you can uh, it affects others. So at that, that very moment, what I realized, um, everything else that was going around in my world, that's uh, situational awareness uh, and how, how my, my life, when the decisions I make every single day, including that one most important one, um, that moment I decided that if I was going to be a blind man, I was going to be the best damn blind man I could be. And I got to work amazing amazing that's just incredible i want to go back to the to the moment that this happened for a moment just uh, not to get into the too much detail but and then we'll come back to where we are right now because i i want to i want to kind of advance the story but when this blast occurred what i've seen on tv or whatever is you're in in a full uh blast suit a helmet all of that stuff does that not protect you? Like, was the helmet on? Did you not, or were you just fully exposed? How did it impact you? How, how, you know, did you have gear on that would protect you that failed or were you not wearing gear? What did that look like when the blast occurred? Well, I did not have the bomb suit on. Um, it just wouldn't be uh, the, the IED, the known hazard out there was already separated. There, yep. that, there, there doesn't make it safe but it also doesn't make it an unknown quantity. And right. that's what the bomb suit really is for an unknown hazard. So it just like the suit up in the bomb, the, the bomb suit, every single time I stepped out of my truck would actually be pretty ridiculous. And the rest, you know, <laughs> the eyes of the rest of the you know, soldiers, the infantry guys all around, and it would be, um, you know, it, it just wouldn't be realistic on the battlefield. So, right. uh, 
I had my standard body armor, helmet, and uh, eye protection mm. as well. This is gloves and other sorts of, you know, but I was just carrying, I didn't have the bomb suit. I was just carrying my evidence collection kit and a metal detector to, to head down towards the, you know, the, the IED just along the way. Was second uh, after um, my metal detector tried to tell me something very, very important. Boom. Yeah, life changes in a second, right? Is is the lesson in that life changes, and for you, dramatically in in a moment. So, from the time that that happened, you know, you're collecting your thoughts. You're brought to Walter Reed, and I love. You said, "I don't have a monopoly on hardship and pain." I mean, that is a great. That's such a perspective changing quote. That's a gift you just gave me. I love that quote. So thank you. How long did it take for you to get there? Was it, was this fairly immediate? You mentioned dark days. How long were you in, uh, uh, you know, Walter Reed or, or in recovery? And what was the, what was the time frame for you to get to this place of I'm going to be the best damn blind, <laughs> blind man in the world? Like how, how long did that take for you to get there? If, you know, if you can kind of share a little bit of that. Um, thankfully it didn't, didn't take me very long. Wow. It just, uh, between my, my incredible family and my, my super optimistic, uh, mom who is actually, uh, been through, unfortunately been through this before with my brother who, uh, is actually, uh, is injured far worse than I was in a automobile accident years before me. And so she comes walking in and said, this ain't my first rodeo. And um, oh, my yeah. sister, who is actually a pediatric trauma, uh, ER nurse, trauma nurse, uh, ICU. Yeah. And uh, she, no, both of them were just uh, fielding, you know, you know, like translating the, 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 the doctor's jargon and, and, and you know, holding all their feet to the fire and just, you know, <laughs> uh, you would think they're the ones in the military, but, uh, um, uh, and my, my family, uh, incredible support, the support of uh, my fellow service members up and down the hallways. In fact, uh, there was a Sergeant, um, uh, Kyle Vickers, who is another EOD team leader in my company who was injured just two weeks prior. And he was, you know, he's a good buddy, still is today, but he he came wheeling in in his wheelchair, you know, just you know, two days after I'd arrived uh, with, you know, a smile on his face. And that was the first time I realized I can hear people smiling. You yeah. know what I mean? And wow. uh, he, all these people around me helped turn that uh, darkness uh, and help point me in the right direction. So you had a mother and a sister ready to roll up their sleeves. They knew they knew what to do. They were equipped. They were equipped to help you. Wow, that's just incredible. And I know, I know from that point, from you know researching your story, you started to do things like running. At this point, right? Okay, you're blind, but you can run. I think you called it more of a team sport, right? Running became a team sport, but you could still run. But right now, as I as I talk to you, and for those that listen to the podcast. I might sound a little different, meaning I'm being a little bit more deliberate with my words. I'm being a little bit more deliberate with how I how I say what I say, because you had another incident pop up. Can you take us to you know, you're 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 leaning into your new life as a blind man 
Well, then what of course, the, the very first steps were to, to get out of Walter Reed and, and heal. But after yeah. the, 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 the surgeries and the attempts to save one of my eyes uh, that failed, um, they had to patch the uh, skull fracture. So I just stopped leaking spinal fluid. Um, and of course, that's a, a direct line for bacteria or germs or, you know, infection straight to, into the brain. Sure. So um, they patched that. Um, and, uh, then as soon as I started, once it was, um, the recovery time period was over, it was into rehabilitation. It was, and literally it was just going to blind school and the, there's VA blind rehabilitation centers all around the country. There's about 14 or 15 of them. I went to Augusta, Georgia, and there they, they handed me the cane, they handed me, um, that, you know, a phone and a computer that has the text-to-speech, like a uh, voiceover software. And, and my job was to learn how to be blind. And, and, and at first it was like the basics of living, but at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm an athletic guy and I, I, I like getting, I like the outdoors. And I was also absolutely terrified of being stuck, uh, like, like, like trapped by my couch. Uh, stuck indoors and I didn't want to go into that uh, again like I didn't want to go in down that the spiral where I became one of those guys that like was popping pills and feeling sorry for himself and sit on the couch until my time was up so I got on my talking phone my talking computer and I started researching doing google searches of blind plus you name it outdoors uh hiking climbing running whatever and a few names kept popping up. One was uh, Eric Weinmayer. He's uh, the first blind person to climb Mount Everest. And um, I, I, I sought him out and I found him. And I joined him on a, a climb. And I actually joined him with a whole team of wounded veterans up an 18,000 foot peak in the Peruvian Andes. Uh, uh, another name, uh, Lonnie Bedwell who is uh, the first blind person to kayak the entire Grand Canyon uh, in a solo boat. Uh, and, you know, I found him and, and we went kayaking together. I did class three rapids in Yellowstone. It was, it was amazing. Uh, and, and just, I found this, uh, uh, this new passion for you know, finding new challenges and, you know, from, from being that slacker into constantly uh, finding new ways to push my abilities, to, uh, to challenge myself, I started doing more and better than I'd had, and even do, doing things that I hadn't even considered um, you know, when I, I still had my sight. And, and, and it was funny, you know, I live in, in Florida, uh, and one of the things I, I did after my, my injury was I asked the, the military to send me to the EOD schoolhouse so I could be an instructor. And I did that for a little while, but that's, that's in the panhandle of Florida. Uh, so, but it's um, very hard to find a decent mountain around here to uh, train for uh, the Andes. So I started running. And as it turns out, I like, I like running. Uh, and I signed up for four marathons in, within in four months. Uh, without having ever run my first 
Wow. And, and just the 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 fact that I was I was putting things on my calendar. I was making commitments. I was registering. I was like buying tickets and all that kind of stuff. And and I realized one of the biggest differences was I was never I wasn't saying someday anymore. I was saying this day. I was gonna do it, and it changed everything. Um, I. I, you know, you say like, oh man, that guy climbed Mount Everest. I would like to do that someday, but someday never happens. So I decided, you know, I'm going to do that and I'm going to do it by this time. And if, this is one of those things like the, 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 the accountability groups and, and then masterminds and, and you set your goals and then you track back from there. And that's what I started doing with all of these adventures and running. Uh, however, uh, I, and I was I was two weeks away from uh, flying out to Africa and climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. And this is like four years after my injury. Uh, since then, I'd climbed mountains. I'd run all these marathons. I'd made it to Bo the Boston Marathon. Um, wow. I, was, I was I was I was public speaking. I mean, I was I was flying high. I was doing I was doing great. I was I was I was doing okay, becoming this uh, blind guy. Um, when um, uh, the complication with the, 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 the uh, cracked skull happened, um, I contracted bacterial meningitis. And um, I was right back in the hospital. It, it, it nearly killed me. But in the process, uh, either the heavy doses of antibiotics or uh, the, the meningitis itself, it took what was left uh, of my hearing that the bomb hadn't stolen. And I was now totally blind and totally deaf. Uh, that, wow. that was rough. Uh, and again, yeah. I, was, I was right back there in the, not to, no pun intended, that dark place. But so, so at this point, you're, you're going from I'm about to climb Kilimanjaro to now your second of five senses are gone. Right. So what what do you do at this moment? What what I mean, go back to that dark place. Was this was this same thing? Were you able to fairly quickly overcome and recover from that? Or did was this sort of a, a body blow that was a little bit too difficult to come back from? Take me through your mindset in that time now where you're flying high, you're speaking on stages, you're about to climb Kilimanjaro, and now your second sense is gone. What's going on, everybody? It's Jamie. I'm jumping in real quick here because some people are listening to this podcast thinking, man, I hear this guest. I hear what they're talking about. This whole GoBundance thing sounds pretty cool. I'd love to be a part of that. And I would say to you, if you are qualified to be part of GoBundance, you're a millionaire or accredited at the very least, jump on to GoBundance.com and just put your application in. You'll get on a call. It might even be with me where we can talk about what you're trying to do, what you're trying to accomplish, and what it is to be part of this community in depth. Would love to have a conversation with you about that. It's been just so life-changing for me. And for those of you out there that are saying, yeah, sounds great. I would if I were a millionaire or if I were accredited, but I'm not there yet. We've got that now. We've built a program and I run it. I love, love being a part of it. I left my job for it called Emerge and Ascend. Emerge is where you got to start. It's a 12-week intensive sprint goal-setting course. You're going to get curriculum every week. You're going to get live intervention every week. You're going to get connection with GoBundance members every week. You're going to get accountability from like-minded people every week. Jump into that. 
kill it, and we invite you to ascend, which is essentially the GoBundance Mastermind without the million-dollar requirement. And we actually even add in coaching to help folks find their purpose, their mission, their values. It's intense. It's, it's everything all wrapped in one. So again, if you're a millionaire or you're at least accredited and you're wondering about this GoBundance thing and that should I, shouldn't I, just apply. Throw your name in. You lose nothing. All you do is put your name into an application form, you get on a phone call, and then you decide. If you're not yet at that million-dollar mark, look at Emerge. GoBundance.com slash Emerge. And what you can do as well is drop my name in there, Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, and we'll knock 200 bucks off the tuition for Emerge. Jump in there, and we'll get you started on your journey toward being a whole-life millionaire, toward getting to GoBundance, whatever you want. People in Emerge, people in Ascend, people in GoBundance all report back often the changes it's made in their lives financially, relationally, and everywhere else. So go to GoBundance.com, check all of that out, see wherever you are, dive into that particular area of GoBundance, and we'd love to see you inside of the tribe. Now, back to our show. You know, I I know people can relate not to that in particular, but... um, there's we always have these situations where things are just moving so smoothly and uh i, I mean i would uh, of course going blind is really really hard uh, yeah. but um i figured it out at least i was figuring it out and then i got knocked down again even harder uh, uh, so of course I, i'm sitting at my my breakfast counter my breakfast bar then the kitchen and um i can't i can't see i can't hear uh i can't i can't even get communication in all of the the, the talking things the phone the computer a barcode scanner for my my uh, pantry items everything was silent uh it was a very very lonely isolating time i mean during the whole covid quarantine time I'm like no big deal <laughs> i've been here before <laughs> but uh oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it was it was it was really um it, it was it was that that was it was the those demons again saying why me but it was even harder because this time it was like lightning striking twice you know uh, um, when have, have i had my my fair share uh, when has this soldier paid his dues uh because you know later did it happen to me again and but it, 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 no matter what it's it's the same thing it's me worrying about um me uh th- th- there's a uh, and, and I started to think about, there's a great example with the, the, the EOD teams, you know, we, we roll in, we, we, we're in the three person, three, three member teams, and we get this huge uh, shipping container full of tools from the bomb suits to robots to hazmat kits and you name it, we have things we have specific tools just to, to counter like one possible bomb out there and we, so we have all these tools. And they come overseas to wherever we're deployed. Uh, and um, then we get our this armored truck and it's not quite as big as the big shipping container. So we got to take the tools we'll most likely need and we have to leave some behind. And then we'll go and we do our job. We can't worry about the tools. We can't, we had to leave them behind. We have to do the job with what we've got. 
and then fight in Afghanistan, we would they're they're like it's not a goat trail. So there's no vehicles can can pass. So we'd, so we'd have to get on foot. So we're doing dismounted patrols, and uh, the, the EOD team can can only work with the tools they can carry on their backs. And all those other tools, we can't worry about those. And we still have a mission to complete. And I loved how um, Jim, um, Jim Mattis said in his book, uh, Call Sign Chaos um, in the Marines, uh, things being hard were never, was never a good excuse for mission failure. And the truth was we had like a spool of rope, uh, some bare charges of C4 and then our, our creativity you know, our imagination, our training, and what we had around us, our team members. So we still had the job to do. We had to save lives. We had to um, complete the mission and couldn't worry about the tools we left behind. So here I am feeling sorry about the tools I just had to leave behind. Uh, and I've been, I've been doing this for almost four years, talking about, you know, triumph through tragedy and, uh, you know, strength because of struggle, not despite, you know, despite it. So I, again, I had to make that switch of uh, mindset where I said, well, I kind of have to put my money where my mouth is and do it all over again. And I had to figure this out. No, I think, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think you were about to say what I was going to say. You know, we're talking today, thank God for the the advancements in, in hearing technology, like the cochlear implant that you have in right now. But what you said a moment ago, it, it just made me realize you live a life of more, how can I, as opposed to saying, I can't. And that analogy of using the tools that you have on your back, my goodness, man. I mean, you, you've, got, you've got enough reasons. No one would ever blame you for, for you know, mailing it in, giving up, playing the victim. But you are the exact opposite of that. You're the exact opposite. And what I wanted to ask you and I don't know exactly the right way to phrase the question. So I'll put, but what's the point of all of this? What point have you derived from it? Like you've become blind and then you become deaf. Thankfully, the cochlear implant allows you the gift to hear again. Uh, even if, even if in some ways limited, you get to hear. But how do you, how do you define for yourself what your purpose is then? Why are you blind? Why did you become deaf? And what has that led to in your life? that you feel is on purpose? What is the purpose of all of this as you've defined it for you? That's a, that's a great question. Um, first, I, I had purpose be before these, these injuries, as illness. I mean, like I said, you know, a family that yeah. uh, I'm responsible to and I'm responsible for. I've got, I've got uh, three boys including those identical uh, twins because, you know, I shouldn't be the only one that's confused. Uh, and uh, I need to be the best father I can. I need to be the best husband I can. Uh, it doesn't mean I succeed every day, but uh, part of my purpose is to make sure that my kids can always uh, look to me and hopefully see a hero. And I'm not talking about the, the battlefield warrior. I'm talking about the father hero uh, and say that you know, my dad can do anything. And so what can I? So that's the major driving uh, factor. But also my experiences 
like everybody else's, are a gift that we need to share with others. Now, yeah, it's a, it's a bittersweet gift, but for sure. But um, I, I remember somebody saying something along the lines of, and, and I'm terrible at remembering quotes, but they said that your struggle, your, the story of your struggle could, could be the blueprint for somebody else's survival. So if I can share my story and if I can continue to succeed and you know, find, find the way, find the way to, to, to find, you know, find these challenges and figure them out and, and do better each day, and I can tell others about it, then maybe I can help them through their difficulties. Yeah. And you've definitely have done that. You've definitely inspired uh, a lot of people. Um, do you, do you ever think in terms of, you know, anything you would change, would you change anything? That sounds like a ridiculous question on the surface to me. Of course you would want your sight and your hearing back, but that's not the story of your life. Do you have those moments? Would you change anything? Do you feel like where you are right now is a blessing, a curse? Is there anything you would change about your life given where your life is right now and where you see it headed in the future? Well, it's, 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 it's always that the two sides uh, of a coin and, and how you choose to, 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 to see it in your perspective. Right? It, could, it could most certainly be, be a curse. But if I, if I consider it a blessing, if I just decide it's yeah. a blessing, then that's what it is. It's, it's my gift and I can, uh, I can use it. However, uh, you know, from there, I can I can make different other decisions. And, and so, uh, what would I change? Uh, I don't know. Um, I believe I've become a better person after my my injuries. Uh, I, I was uh, more more of a selfish person, and now I'm more of a giver. Um, I, I I didn't have a whole lot of ambition early on, and now I try to find new challenges and new opportunities each day. And it, it, and, and the thing is, is that I, I learned that um, uh, accomplishment is is addictive. But but uh, love how it was, uh, love how Tony Robbins uh, uh, said it, and he said he said uh, um, success without contribution is the greatest failure. So just accomplishment alone is again that on that selfish side. And to be a part of my community, I need to contribute. And it's very easy, of course, for me to be isolated. So it, the more I contribute, the more I am connected with my community and the less I'm isolating myself. Yeah, no, that, that makes complete sense. That's an incredible perspective. I love the point that you make about you decide for yourself that this is a blessing and, the, and what it's made you, the person you are today, you're proud of. On the on the slacker piece, I want to talk about that. I wrote that down. Slacker to challenging yourself. That was kind of your your transition or what you and I read I resonate personally with that a bit. When you talked about charming your way through high school, yeah, same. I did the same exact thing. I remember writing uh, if I showed up late to school, I just wrote a letter like signing my parents' signature to say why I was late. I just figured my way out to get through school. And then at some point I had to, I had to obviously, you know, buckle down. But 
you know, what do you think that is though? Were you truly ever a slacker or were you in a position where you weren't, uh, uh, I don't know, the highest and best use of you wasn't in play yet. I mean, what, what do you do you b- truly believe that you were a slacker or is it just that at that point in time, nothing was there to challenge you? You weren't challenged by anything and you found those challenges once you started to intentionally do things like join the military, military, become a cook, go over to EOD. I'm kind of curious your perspective on that, on that idea of being a slacker. Was it just that you weren't in a position to be challenged or were you really just a lazy guy? Really? <laughs> I, I think it, again, it's um, my my perspective. I, I was not a slacker all the time. Of course, sure. uh, there were certain there are, are times where we find challenge, uh, and and I found it in, in um, that accomplishment after rising to the challenge uh, felt great, and I loved it. And those are the things I became passionate about, but I didn't recognize that. So I would do well in one class because I liked it and I was doing well in that class. And it just kind of fed on itself. And I, I played football through, through high school and, uh, I, I loved it. I played well. I, I started, you know, and, and I was given, you know, the, 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 the positions I wanted. It, it, so it's, it's like, um, uh, uh, you, you enjoy it, you work harder at it, but I didn't recognize the fact that if I put the effort in uh, to other aspects of my life, uh, to other challenges, that I would appreciate the experience more and possibly even the, you know, the, the subjects. Uh, it so um, it was the military that taught me uh, quite a bit of that. And then of course, um, after the injuries, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an interesting point. And, and I guess where I was going with that, and you, you stated it beautifully. I think, you know, you think of high school that time you're in positions of things that you kind of have to do, even though you don't want to. And as you grow and a lot of people like me that had a job or have a job and they feel tethered to it and they feel maybe like that slacker in that job because they're just not inspired by it being intentional about getting into into something or or placing your time and energy into things that inspire you into what you have uh, a passion for or feel purposeful with i think is the key to every successful person i've ever i've ever interviewed you included you're intentional about where you spend your time that it is in uh in areas that feel on purpose for you and to that end i want to bring us to eod fudge so tell me about the beginnings of this why is fudge why is Fudge your, uh, it's got you on Rachel Ray. I mean, this is, you know, this is a big deal. How did you come to Fudge and, and t- tell us about the, the business venture and, and what, you're, what you're doing with that? How did that come to be? Of course, it, it takes us right back to me sitting there at my breakfast bar, totally deaf, totally blind. Yeah. And thankfully, just before, um, uh, just before the, the illness set in, uh, I had, excuse me, I, I had this a, a, a amazing week-long vacation slash first date with this beautiful woman. Um, uh, actually, she's a childhood friend. Uh, in fact, our mothers were childhood friends, grew up in, in Baltimore together. My mom, of course, raised us in Ohio. Uh, and uh, Michaela's mom raised uh, her family out in Colorado. But every year, 
she would uh, pack up the kids, uh, pack up the girls in a minivan and drive all the way back to Baltimore for summer vacation. Why they would drive across the country instead of fly, I don't know, but uh, they would come by way of Ohio, visit with my mom and her kids, us. And uh, I knew Michaela since she was like five years old. Um, and we reconnected on social media. We started talking uh, about that time. Um, and um, I'd convinced her, she was working in, in California, and I convinced her to fly out to uh, Florida for this first date. And um, after the, it was an amazing week, uh, it was incredible. Uh, and she had to get back to work. I actually had a speaking engagement. So we parted ways and we weren't quite sure what was gonna happen next. But just a couple of days later, boom, I'm in the hospital. Michaela turned right back around. I don't think she even unpacked her bags and she was right back by my side. Um, before even the rest of the family. Uh, and uh, while it had taken uh, uh, a couple of weeks to get out of the hospital and, and then a couple, it, it was months of recovery at home. Uh, the rest, you know, my, my, my mom, my sister all had uh, jobs and lives. They had to get back to Michaela, stayed right here. And she helped nurse me back to health because I'm just you know blind and deaf. I'm isolated. I can't communicate with the outside world. And she actually uh, developed this. Uh, she was writing every single letter of every single word in the palm of my hand uh, to to get a message in. And uh, talk about uh, frustrating and, and um, uh, difficult. But that was the only way. And. Right then and there, like, like, at, you know, at that, in the kitchen, um, that's when I decided, uh, I, I just did what anybody would have started a chocolate company. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the, the, the truth is, again, it was Thanksgiving was coming up, the holidays, I told you, I loved the Thanksgiving, I loved Christmas, all that. Um, and I, I turned it, I turned the attention, my attention off of me and what was going on here. And uh, we decided we were just going to throw this huge Thanksgiving feast. I mean, it was going to be, uh, uh, you know, epic. They were going to talk about this feast uh, generations hence. Uh, uh, and I started weeks in advance prepping all these things. Uh, you know, I, was, I started making cakes and pies and cookies and desserts. And I would just put them in the freezer, pull them out, you know, on the day. And uh, each day I'd be in the kitchen doing a bite from memory. Uh, it was cooking and, and I would do batch after batch of fudge. Each time I was like putting like spices and nuts and I was going to the liquor cabinet and, and just, you know, uh, experimenting different flavors every single time. And uh, Michaela noticed two things. One, um, she noticed uh, something she hadn't seen in six months because it would be six months uh, before the cochlear, like the, you know, the infection would clear and I could get the surgery, then they get the thing tuned in and all that. It'd be, yeah. it'd be over, over six months before I'd hear another human voice. But in you know, six months, it was the first time she'd seen a smile on my face. Hmm. 
And the other thing, the second thing she noticed was fudge piling up. <laughs> so um, she started staking it out the, the, the front door. You, you don't really have to be real stealthy around a blind deaf guy. But uh, uh, yeah, she was giving it away. She was giving it to the neighbors and friends and they started coming back and asking for more uh, and saying, can we buy this for our birthday party or baby shower coming up? And of course, the capitalist in me say, well, of course you may. And Extraordinary Delights was, was born. Now, EODFudge.com. I love it. EODFudge.com. And on Instagram, at EODFudge, uh, I'm order, I was telling you before we jumped on, I was on the website about to order my first, my first batch. Who doesn't love fudge? So we're going to get some in the Gruber house, old here for the holidays. But um uh, and an honor, an honor to, to to be to be able to do that for a hero, somebody who's a, an absolute hero and a, and a veteran uh, uh, who served this country incredibly. Um, so it's a, it's going to be an honor to to order it. Um, a couple a couple questions have popped up as as I was thinking through and listening to your story. I was writing some things down. One is sort of a one off. You mentioned about the cochlear, like it took six months for the infection to clear, get the cochlear implant tune it in. I mentioned my mother has one, so I, I have some familiarity with that. Is there anything, any possibility, any technology on the horizon that might be similar for your ability to see one day? Or is that something that is just not anything right now that you can see that you know of that's possible for sight for you? Well, uh, I don't, these are fake eyes. These are my prosthetics. I don't, I don't, I don't have eyeballs anymore. Uh, there are uh, doctors, there are researchers that are uh, working on uh, whole eye transplantation. But the problem therein is that you can transplant an eyeball into another human, uh, connect the muscles, connect the, you know, the, um, uh, um, you know, the, the arteries and all that and get the blood flow going. But the ocular nerve uh, is part of the central nervous system. And those, uh, those, you know, if you, they don't regenerate, you know, you burn your finger, you burn the nerves on your fingers, they grow back and you can feel again. Um, you break your, break your back and that's it. Uh, same, same with severing the connection to your eye. So they can put the eye in, but they can't make it work. They've had some success uh, in whole eye transplants in rats, lab rats, uh, with a, with it's actually a, um, a anti-nerve degeneration drug meant for multiple sclerosis uh, patients. However, it's just in that stage. So I don't know. It, of course, it, everything's possible. And uh, earlier I was telling you how amazing medical technology uh, and science have come in, in just the last few you know years. Uh, so who knows? Who knows? Right. Wow. No, it was just a more of a curiosity for me. The other question I wanted to ask is, you know, for anyone going through their version of adversity. I mean, we hear your story, and it's and it's you know you offer a perspective, obviously, right? You know, the a, a bad day for me is not the same as having your eyes blown out in an IED explosion. At least I think most people would agree that that's not the same thing, but people have their adversity. You very quickly recovered and you gave a few different uh, thoughts on how you did that. It sounds like it's rooted in gratitude in perspective to your point about being, again, I go back to this, 
I don't have a monopoly on hardship and pain. I think that's such a powerful quote that I wrote down. And, and again, you gave me that gift. But is there anything else you would say to somebody who might be listening right now and having going through a tough time? Maybe it's a breakdown in their relationship or something else that really you know, is, is hitting them from an identity perspective. Their financial future is not as certain as they maybe thought. Their business is failing, whatever. Is there any perspective or any, any uh, advice that you might give, any words of wisdom for somebody going through adversity right now? Uh, the first thing that came to mind was a common phrase used in the military, it's embrace the suck. Embrace the suck. <laughs> um, and, and, and really, it's like you're here, so deal with it. You know, uh, you go into the, you know, you know go, you go to battle and you're far from home and conditions are uh, not luxurious and there are people trying to kill you. Uh, so that's not, not optimal. But uh, once you get over the realization of where you are and what you still have to do, then it's just a mind, mind shift. And I think this is, has been a common um, uh, thread, a common theme in our conversation so far is that it's, it's about you deciding um, how you want to move forward, if you want to move forward, and how are you going to look at it. So yeah, we, we go through, um, you know, hardships at home with the family, uh, illness, injury, finances, of course. Uh, uh, that's a big one. Uh, but what I found so far is that, and, and not just me, but many others, uh, is that there's, there's very, very little, in fact, I'm not quite sure uh, of any examples of things that we can't handle. And so um, first you gotta realize that no matter what's laid before you, um, whether it's financial hardship or it's one big, big mountain, you can get up to it. You can, you can climb it, you can defeat it, you can find success. Uh, and you can rise to the challenge um, if you're you're you know in the right mindset and you're willing to do the work. Wow, that's amazing advice. Uh, is Kilimanjaro in the future? Is that uh, is that is that coming? Oh, uh, I I would very much like to do that uh, and get back <laughs> on on that course. The the difficulty is um, to the, the my next challenge is to figure out a way that I can communicate in um, uh, less permissive environments because of uh, my hearing. You know, before being blind, just challenging and, and possibly uh, dangerous in its own right, but right. I could still communicate with my team and take direction. Uh, once that communication's cut off, it becomes even more um, of a difficulty and a little more difficult or a little more dangerous. Yeah. Also, when I lost my uh, my hearing from from the, the bacteria, I also lost quite a bit of my vestibular balance, my inner ear balance. So I'm actually a little wobbly on my feet and uh, I've trained my muscles to compensate, but it actually takes more energy and it burns me up a little bit quicker. And that's another challenge. But that um, balance thing, um, I think that's definitely more, uh, uh, 
that's more possible to overcome. That's but the hearing part, the communication part, that isn't just dangerous for me, but it's dangerous for my team. So, uh, it, absolutely, I'm not cutting shut. I'm not cutting anything out, any possibility sure. out. But that's it. Makes sense. Well, I've kept you. I've kept you past our time, and we didn't even talk about you're you're in real estate now and all these different things that you're doing. So we'll have to do if you're open to it a part two and, uh, and get caught up on, on the next version of you. I would love, love, love to have you back. Uh, but besides the website, we talked about eodfudge.com, Instagram at eodfudge, anywhere else that people should go to learn more about you or, or what you're doing. Absolutely. Uh, during the whole COVID quarantine thing, we also uh, decided to uh, go uh, TikTok. Uh, so if you go to at EOD Confections on TikTok, we started a little show called Aaron Hale's Cook Without Looking. Cooking Without Looking. I love it. And I've seen some of those repurposed as reels. So, and they're good. They're good. I told you about the pumpkin one that I watched. For those listening, he baked a chocolate cake inside of a pumpkin. And this is a man who doesn't have the benefit of sight. He everything uh, from opening the stove. I mean, you're watching, I'm watching in awe. Like you didn't, it's amazing. Your, your ability to move around that kitchen without being able to see, I can't, I can't do anything. And I have my side. I bump my toe. I, I burn my finger. You're putting things in and out of the oven. You're, you're cutting the top of this look like a very hard pumpkin. You're, you're pouring fudge in, you're doing butterscotch drizzle over the top perfectly it was unbelievable to watch for any cook but i mean especially knowing that you don't have the benefit of sight yeah a lot of a lot of you can get lost on this man's channel so be prepared to spend some time there if you're going to go to tiktok or instagram so it's at eod confections on tiktok at eod fudge on instagram is that correct i believe almost uh, all the, the social medias i think it's at eod confections oh i'm sorry i've been saying it wrong at eod confections my apologies i'm pulling it up right now to absolutely be sure and uh, i think you are right at eod ah uh, let's do this. eod yeah at eod confections my apologies everybody at eod confections uh on instagram so aaron amazing thank you so much for taking the time and and giving so much insight and and wisdom to all of us today me especially I appreciate you being here, my man. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a great conversation. Love talking to you, Jamie. Absolutely. And thank you. I don't know if I've said it, but I mean, thank you for your service. I mean, I, those words aren't even big enough, but thank you so much for your service. I truly, I truly mean that. Very welcome. Thank you. The wrong tribe confounds. The right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller, Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. Thank you for tuning in to the GoBundance podcast. We hope to see you at a live event in the near future. If you're new to us, here's a quick explanation of our programs. Number one, Emerge, a web-based journey for millionaires to be. Number two, Ascend an interactive mastermind, the next stage of our journey. Number three, GoBundance Elite, the original tribe of millionaires. Number four, GoBundance Champions, five million net worth and above. Number five, GoBundance Women, a tribe of amazing badass women. For detailed information on all five of these, simply find us at GoBundance.com. Until then, grab life big.